Smartcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Samantha Fox is a sexuality coach and licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. She's been in private practice for over a decade, working with individuals and couples struggling with sexuality, sexual issues, coming out later in life, and intimacy. Samantha specialises in working with women coming out later in life who need help processing feelings of internalised homophobia, guilt, shame and struggle to embrace and embody their authentic selves. During our conversation, it was really clear that our paths had so many synergies and by having conversations like this, maybe we can help other women to have the courage to be who they really are. Welcome, Samantha, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm super excited to have you here as well. Now, uh, for people who haven't heard of you or or know what you do, can you tell us, please? Yes, sure. So I am a sexuality coach, and I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York. Excellent. So I wear two hats, coach and therapist and uh, mainly work with women. And my favorite population of women to work with are those that are coming out later in life or exploring their sexuality. And that's my my specialty area. Amazing. So tell us then, how did you um, happen to work with women in this particular demographic? Yeah, sure. So um, I have my own story. It's a it's a, a lived experience that got me here. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I came out myself at the age of thirty two. I was married. I had been married for seven years at that time. Had been with my husband altogether for about ten years, and um, yeah, I had an awakening and met somebody and went through a difficult period of separation and divorce, had three little babies and, um, you know, just lived through the this particular journey, um, which was quite messy and got out of it and decided I needed to become a therapist. Uh, I had been in school to become a therapist prior to that, but hadn't finished because I started having children. And, um, yeah, I've been with women since then. So it was 20 years ago. 
um, and just wanted to really um, kind of have like a full circle where I could give back to women that were going through what I had lived through. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is where you and I uh, align here. Um, I've also lived that experience. Uh, oh. However, uh, not married, no children. Um, I guess I was kind of lucky in that regard that I didn't have that element um, as part of my story. Um, but um, I have had partners who have had uh, that as part of their story. Um, and um, I must say it's probably one segment of the queer community that probably is the most judged and probably the most misunderstood. Would you agree? Yes, I would definitely agree. Mm. Um, I, I think it, I mean, I'm hoping, let's say, that it's getting a little bit better. I mean, I think with COVID, there's been a huge influx of this late in life community. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that that's changing. But yes, yeah, certainly 20 years ago when I came out, that was how it was too. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for me and my experience, um, I, I particularly, I had a partner who was married to a man, had children, um, yet was still married. Um, and we were in our relationship. However, she was hiding who she was and who she, who she really wanted to be with her family and everyone else. So it kind of felt like I had to go back into the closet to have that relationship. So the dynamic for everyone in that relationship gets really, really hard. Um, and, you know, most people would probably judge me for that relationship as well. Um, but it, it gets really messy, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And um, it reminds me of a question that one of my followers asked recently, which was, um, do established lesbians date lesbians or queer people that are coming out later in life. And my answer was, um, yeah, there's no general rule that they won't date you if you're coming out later in life, but you need to be out uh, for an established lesbian to want to be with you. Mm. Good, There's a good chance she's going to want you to be out because you're, you know, you're not going to find her wanting to go back into the closet. Yeah. It is super, super hard. And, you know, in terms of having a relationship with someone like that, I know there are segments of the community who who have their rules of who they will and won't accept in a relationship. Um, but for me, it's it's all about the person and and who they are. It's not about all the labels that are put on us. Um, it's It's about your connection with them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's another big topic is labels and – um, you know, have them, don't have them. How important are they? You know, there, there's the, also like the pride in the label and also not wanting to be labeled as any labels are for boxes. Right. Mm. So, uh, broad spectrums, just like in everything. And unfortunately, you know, our society is not built that way. And yep. <laughs> we've got all the constructs to keep us boxed in. So, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, just going back to what you said um, a moment ago about how there being a resurgence of, of people in this demographic um, since COVID, um, do you think that comes back to, you know, having that time to reflect and actually find what matters? Um, well, I can say my my coming out catalyst was 9-11. All right. So I was in New York City when that happened yeah. and it shook me because I just, you know, I was young. I was 32. I realized I might not be here tomorrow. Mm. 
And that really propelled me into this place where I just felt like I, I couldn't live like this anymore. Um, and so I think that, yes, I think for with COVID and with the pandemic, I think it's, you know, there are many layers to it, right? People are now stuck in their homes. Their kids aren't going to school. They're with their spouses or partners full time, 24 mm. seven. Uh, this is not the way it ever was before. So a lot of reality very quickly. And then also the fear, right? Who knows at any, at any moment, any of us can be taken away. And so I think it was, you know, all of that, that kind of brought this, um, you know, um, tsunami, I call it tsunami <laughs> effect of women coming out. Wow. Um, so really it's that reality check that we get, isn't it? That wakes us up to, you know, what we really want in life. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, for me as well, when I came out, it, it was like this, this light bulb moment. It was like this awakening and everything just made sense. I was like, all oh, right, well, that all makes sense now. And it was like everybody else got the memo but me um, and no one else was surprised. Um, did you find the same thing? I didn't quite have it that way. In fact, I was kind of surprised and actually everybody was surprised I had really the very perfect cookie cutter in every way kind of life. Mm. And um, people were quite shocked. And, um, you know, I was very closeted in that I had been noticing things about my sexuality for many, many years, but they were not rising to a conscious level. Mm. So they were, it was in my journals, which was under the clothing, away in the closet. Mm. <laughs> and nobody knew except for, you know, me somewhere in my subconscious, unconscious. So it was surprising. I was quite surprised at the time that it all happened. Yeah. So let's then talk about the judgment and the shame that comes with that. Like when you actually make the decision to go, you know what, this is who I am and I'm going to come out. So... There's a lot of shame um, that's held in that because that's going to impact all of your relationships. You've got children, you've got a husband. Um, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to uncouple my entire life and this is going to impact so many people. Yep, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Um, yeah, I certainly lost some people in there too. Um, you know, interestingly... I'm not quite sure why, but the shame piece for me was very minimal. Um, and I think that might just be somehow, um, I grew up in a family where being different was okay um, and kind of encouraged actually. Um, and so, you know, I, I was, I, this, I didn't have that much shame, but I did have guilt for creating so much chaos in everybody's lives and hurting people and um, judgment. Uh, yes, there was judgment. And I lost family members on his side that I was very close to that never uh, reconnected to me, which mm. is just devastating for my kids. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is all part of what keeps women also from taking the steps forward. They really struggle with, with all of that. Mm. I, and I know there's, yeah, I know many women who, who stay in that, what you call a compulsory heterosexual 
um, life. Heterosexuality, yeah. yes. Um, whereas I kind of, I, I love that term that you use, but I, I guess I call it conform, um, conforming to society here. So, um, you know, I, I found that, you know, I dated heaps and heaps of men. None of it was working. I was like, what's going on here? Um, like I just couldn't understand it and then boom. <laughs> I was like, all right, got it now. Um, but for those that are married, um, they want to stay there because they don't want to hurt others. They, and particularly where there's children involved, they, they think they're going to lose them. Yes, and I'm sure that there are parts of the world where that would happen mm. and there very well might be. I'm not an expert on the laws of each state of this country, but I am sure that there are states where um, you might be at risk for losing your children, um, possibly still today. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I mean, it can be quite dangerous and, um, and you know, and very damaging. And it's just, I always say it's not for the faint of heart. I mm. mean, this is really quite an undertaking when you are married. Yeah. So when you have that realisation and you, and you go, okay, um, I'm attracted to women, there's some women who question that as well. Like they're like, am I bi? Am I gay? Like what am I? How do you work through that? Um, so I like to give people a lot of space. I mean, I think there's two things that happen. There's, there's, so there, there's realizing that you like women and maybe you've met somebody and it's turning on this part of you and you're like, wow, I've never felt this before. And for women that have only been with men or that are married to a man, what happens for them is this um, place where they're like, what's reality? What's fantasy? Mm-hmm. Uh, because this feels really good and I've never felt like this before mm. and now I'm 55, right? Um, and if this is reality, what does that mean about the last, mm. you know, 35, 45 years of my life? Mm. Was that a lie? Mm. And so it becomes a place where people get stuck, you know, so that's one, one thing that women experience. And then the other piece is what you're talking about is like, how do I label myself? Right. What am I? Mm. Um, I'm married to a man. I've been with him. I've always been with men. Um, I just, I just like not straight. Um, to me, that's just super spacious. Um, do you really need to know right this second? What if we can just step into not knowing and, you know, get comfortable with that? And also sexuality is fluid, mm -hmm. you know, and not everybody is at, a, probably very few people are at either extreme completely, um, you know, and so you're somewhere in there. Yeah. You're not straight. Yeah. Right. I, I love your response to that because, um, and, and labels are such a big thing in the community and it drives me a little bit insane. I'm just going to say that. Um, because I'm someone who doesn't like labels. Um, you know, I think everyone's unique in their own way. Um, and they should be allowed to express that however, um, they feel. And also, you know, um, what, what you've kind of mentioned there is that spectrum of, you know, how there's the scale and the spectrum of sexuality. You, you're never like fully one thing. Um, there's a little bit of everything in all of us. Um, so go with whatever feels right, you know. Like I think uh, when we start to put a label on it, that's where we create the anxiety and, and make things harder for ourselves um, when we can just be ourselves and express who we are. Yes, and it's interesting um, 
because I've been hearing that I can't remember one of one of the women I'm currently working with said uh, at her job, she's working with a younger person who may be like 35. And this woman's in her late 50s. And this person, when she came out to her, was one of the first people she came out to the the younger woman identified. She said, oh, I'm queer. Mm. Great. You Mm. know, and and the older woman said, I can't really use queer because that's a younger person's term. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting because Mm. I don't think of queer that way. Mm. Um, I think of queer is for everybody. Um, right. And so, and then I also think that there are some women that go through a lot to come out and that might feel very, very identified with being lesbian. Mm. Um, I identify as lesbian, right. So, and, and queer, you know, um, but but lesbian, yes, and and I'm really proud of that. And I worked really hard to get where I am. Yeah. And so there's also like the pride piece. Yes, it's a label, but I'll wear that label for now. And if I decide I want to change it, I can. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I also um had that same experience where a younger person um at work actually said, oh, you know, I identify as queer. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Um, and one of the senior executives said to me, oh, you're going to have to explain to me what exactly that is because I need to get up to speed with all this stuff because I, I chair the diversity and inclusion committee. I'm like, it's all good. I got you. So I was like, you know, it's trying to bring people into this sort of sphere of understanding what all these terms and labels mean. And, you know, I do a lot of podcasts on that uh, because I really want people to have that awareness and understanding so that they feel comfortable having those conversations and, and treat everybody equally. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So now you also do um, coaching with these women. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, after many years of being a therapist and having a lot of training, I developed a uh, I developed two coaching programs. One is to work with women one on one. One is to work with women in a small group, and um, that's relatively new. It's just been in the last year, but it's so exciting and. It's so rewarding. Mm. Um, I mean, I just can't stop working. I'm working seven days a week. <laughs> I'm working as a therapist. And every minute I'm not working as a therapist, I'm doing something for my coaching. And I love it. Um, so, you know, I feel very honored to be able to journey with these women and give them tools to do a little bit of deeper diving into themselves and understand that the stories they've been telling themselves and the, you know, beliefs they have are not necessarily coming from within, but they're coming from outside and start to question what's right for them. Um, And I have different ways of working with women to get them to a place where they really can be more embodied. And then it's just so rewarding. I get the stories back and get to celebrate with these women. So uh, the coaching is just I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. It really feels wonderful. And I can tell you love it because you absolutely light up when you talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. And, and <laughs> it, it makes me kind of go, can I come and join you? Because it sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, you know, I think for those women, it must be amazing for them to have a safe space to go to, to explore who they are. Because, you know, when you're in your everyday sort of life, it can be hard to find that space for yourself to actually find out who you are. 
Yeah. I mean, when I came out, it was 2002. And I have to say it was, I thought I was the only woman in the world to ever have experienced this. I felt so isolated and so alone. And in fact, I was able to find a group that did weekend workshops, a therapist who did weekend workshops for women who were married to men, but in love with women. Her name's Joanne Fleischer. Um, she wrote a book, um, Married to a Man in Love with a Woman. I believe that's the name of it. And um, there were 20 women from all over the country. And it was amazing. And some of my best friends today are from that group back in 2000. And I think it was 2003 I did it. So being in community having other people around you that have similar feelings that are going through, you know, just something similar or just learning from the differences. Mm. Right. And even for me to, to be with these women, I am also learning differences because my story was particularly messy, mm. but some women have beautiful stories. Mm. I mean, they bring me to tears. These, these husbands are amazing guys. Mm that collaborate and help their partners to, you know, some husbands even find me for their wife. Wow. Yeah. It's really quite, I mean, it's, it's very surprising and, um, admirable these guys. So. And that, that must be, you know, a tough thing for a guy to be faced with, you know, like they're married to a woman that they love. Um, and after all these years, they get the news that, uh, not so into that anymore. Um, that's got to be a real test to their manhood. Yes, I I totally agree. I think it is. You know, I think for some women, it can be uh, a place they they kind of think about it in terms of, well, it would be worse if I were going to go with a different guy. Yeah. Right. And, and at least it's not a guy, mm. it's a, it's a woman. So, but in fact, that's not the case. And I think for many men, it's actually worse yeah. when it's yeah. with a woman because they're emasculated. Right. Mm. Um, and so that creates, you know, a lot of discomfort and shame for them and feeling like there's something wrong with them. But the other thing I also want to say is that even though it might come as quite a shock, and I'm sure it does, uh, it certainly did in my case, you don't go through a marriage for that for that long and um, actually have questions about your sexuality or be kind of disconnected from your sexuality and, and stay in this marriage and then come to this place where you realize it. And there's nothing, when you look back, there's nothing that reflects any of those problems. In fact, there are plenty of things, if you look at the marriage, that reflect it wasn't working well. Mm. We didn't have an active sex life. We didn't like our sex life. You didn't want to have sex with me. Um, you know, or I just grinned and bared it and, you know, got through. And so it's not that surprising if you're able to look back. Mm. Yeah. So the indicators are generally always there. So it's never a, a real surprise in the end. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so um, if people want to find you and uh, find out more about what you do, where can they go? Yeah. So um, I am on TikTok as the Lesbian Curiosity Coach. Oh, love it. Yes, I am on Instagram uh, at Curious Questioning Coming Out, no and. And then my website where I have my programs for women is called curiousquestioningandcomingout.com. 
And I also have a free mini course for women who want to break free from compulsory heterosexuality. So that's available through any of the social media platforms in the link in bio or on the website. It's, it's plastered everywhere. So you can get your free mini course to break free, oh, right? We should have choices. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess one other thing I wanted to ask you was if there's a woman listening to this now who's married and is wanting to perhaps explore um, feelings that they're having towards women um, and they're scared and they don't want to do anything about it, what would you recommend they do? So for that woman that isn't ready to do anything about it, I think the best thing to do would be to start to go on and just listen to some of the things I mean, I give a lot of free content on, on my social media platforms. So start to just listen to some of these things and see if they resonate with you. Um, see if you can build up a little bit of, of courage to take a step to, um, I'm happy to meet with anybody just for a free consultation, just to say hi and hear a little bit about where somebody is. Yeah. Um, you know, baby steps, really right? The, the whole thing, looking at the whole thing is very overwhelming mm. and that's understandable, but just little small steps to moving forward, knowing that if you can do that, you're moving closer to your authentic self. And we only have one time through anyway, in this particular human suit that we're in. And, you know, like, it's worth it. it. It really is worth it to just be fully embodied and be able to live authentically. Yeah. And, you know, uh, from, from your experience in the women that you work with, um, you can also share, you know, the, that it's not so bad on the other side. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I can't even tell you the joy, mm. right? The screaming from the mountaintop <laughs> that I hear. It is so fabulous, really fabulous. And um, that exists out there and you can have that. And also, you know, life is um, like we hurt people. Uh, that's part of being in relationship. You can't, there is no such thing as being in a relationship where you don't hurt somebody. We, we do that all the time. And light, that's part of life, right? Mm. So don't let that hold you back. Yeah. And, you know, there comes a time in life where we've got to put ourselves first, don't we? Um, you know, we're, and, and that's the other thing with women that have reached that stage in life. They're, they're giving everything to everyone else. But what about themselves? Yes, mm. absolutely. So important. Yeah. Well, I got the last big question for you, Sam. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Oh gosh, <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think we need so many. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my mission here is to reach any woman who feels alone and hopeless about her attraction to women and that she needs to keep stuffing it down. Um, and, you know, I would love, if there was something I could change, I would love to take away compulsory heterosexuality in the world, you know, everywhere, that when you are born, um, there is no box that's placed upon you and you just get to decide everything, 
who you love, who you are, how you identify, and that there are no boxes telling us what we should do, what we're supposed to do, what we need to do, what's expected of us to do. And while for some people that feels very safe, and I understand that, um, you know, really, uh, it takes away your freedom to be fully you from the moment you're born. So that's one thing if I could change, I would love to. I absolutely love that. And, you know, this is it. We get so conditioned uh, from when we're a child um, that a relationship is between a man and a woman um, and that even to our gender and how we express it, you know, like you're female and this is your your pronouns are she, her, um, you know, and it's not until we actually understand who we are that we can go, hmm, actually, no, that doesn't quite fit me, Um you know, and if we could do that a hell of a lot sooner, we would save so much pain. Um, so, yes, I am so on board with you with um, that desire to take away those labels and those boxes and this conditioning that we get right from when we're born. Yeah. And the other thing I want to say about it that makes me just crazy <laughs> is if you think about it, right, what you just said, everything you just said. Yeah. And you think about how many people, this is men and women now, we're just talking about humans, right? Yeah. How many people go through what you just said, right? Doing all the things that are expected because they're a he or a she, and they're supposed to be with a man if they're a woman and vice versa. And they find themselves feeling anxiety and depression, and they don't know why, and they can't get out of it, and they can't really fully embrace the life they're in, and they can't reach their full potential because they're feeling all of these things. And then what happens? Then they go and they start taking medication, mm-hmm. right? To, to take care of these feelings that they have that are not even theirs. I mean, they were placed upon them. Yeah. Yeah. And the amount of money that's being made off of this construct. I mean, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> oh, she's fired up. And, uh, you know, like I think you and I could talk all day on this um, because it's it's something that we're both very passionate about and, uh, geez, us both fired up, look out. Um, so, <laughs> Sam, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the ethical evolution. I've loved every second. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, really. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. 
If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.